If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 16. I want to uh, share a message with you this morning on missions and, and reaching out to those who are in need of the gospel, those who are lost and on their way to hell. Sadly, there are more and more people who are on their way to hell without the knowledge that they are, or they don't believe that hell really exists. But we, those of us who are believers, those of us who know the truth, we have a great responsibility in preaching the message of the gospel, preaching the truth that hell is real, that those who do not know Christ as their Savior are on their way to an unquenchable fire, an unquenchable thirst a fire that will never end. We see in Luke chapter 16, Christ and Jesus uh, in his earthly ministry is speaking to the the multitudes and his disciples that have uh, gathered around him to to uh, to listen to his his teachings. We're going to start in verse 19. It says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Heavenly Father, I do ask this morning as I uh, bring this message to your people, that you would speak uh, through me, that you would not let me say anything that is my own opinion or my own uh, ideas, but it may be yours and from your word. I ask, Lord, that you would use this message to encourage and challenge your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We see here in, in this account that Christ gives to those around him about two different men. We're given description of these men there in verse 19. He, he starts out by giving us a description of a, a certain rich man. He was clothed in purple and fine linen, uh, things that were very costly in that time and era of, of living. 
and it signified someone who was of great wealth, someone who more, most likely had importance in the society there, in the community, and one that was looked up to. And I'm sure that it was not just one or two pieces. It was several pieces. He probably had you know, multiple outfits that he wore uh, on a daily basis and going out to show his wealth. It says there that he fared sumptuously every day. It means that he had an abundance. He had plenty. He had everything he could want and desire. If he, if he didn't have it, he could certainly ask for it and have it brought to him. I'm sure he had servants and he had uh, you know, just an immense amount of possessions in his wealthiness. We see how that he had everything he wanted and yet in verse 20, a completely different man, a man who was a beggar named Lazarus. We see the first description at, uh, about this man is that he was laid at his gate. He didn't walk there himself. He was laid there. Someone carried him. Someone had to help him move. He wasn't able to, to physically move on his own. It says that he was full of sores. Now, I don't want to get too graphic, but imagine someone that is just covered in, in, in these things that are, that are oozing pus or whatever they may have been. You say, well, that's horrible. Yes. That's the condition of this man. We see in verse 21, it says that he desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Not the leftovers, the crumbs, whatever might just fall off the table. That's what he desired, just that alone. You say, well, what's the significance of that? I would say that he most likely did not know what it was to have a full meal. He probably was hungry day in and day out, was always hungry, never knew what it was to have a full stomach. It says there at the end of verse 21, Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. He was not able to care for himself, to clean himself, so much so that the, the dogs came and did it for him. Very, very despicable point in life. A life that would be completely and totally undesirable. And that too often, most of us, in our fleshly side, our fleshly outlook, would probably avoid him if we were to see him on the street. We'd probably make a wide path around him. And yet the rich man, we'd want to be our friend. We'd want him to be our friend. We'd say, wow, that is so nice. Wow, he's got whatever he wants. Isn't that just the life to live? But look in verse 22. Even though these men lived completely different lives, even though their circumstances in life were completely different, in verse 22 it says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. You see, 
all of us have an appointment with death. No matter the life we live, no matter how rich we are, how poor we are, how destitute we are, how much money we may have or try to make, we all have an appointment with death. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. This is an appointment that no one can escape. No matter our circumstance, our position in life, no one can escape this appointment. We see that both of these men reached that appointment. And it continues on in verse 23, talking about the rich man. It says, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Notice how drastically his circumstances changed in an instant. He went from pleasure, from comfort, from just being completely at ease to now being in torment and anguish. He cries in verse 24 for Abraham to send Lazarus with a a drop of water from the tip of his finger. Just one little drop of water to cool his tongue. Now, I was talking with some of the men this morning about the drought that you've been in. As I was making my way over here, kept seeing the, the signs about the, the uh, uh, ban for, for fires, you know, no, no burning. And we have that over in Florida a lot of times, too, because, you know, in the summer we don't get the rain and it gets so dry. And it literally, you know, you're just waiting for the, the grass to just sprout fire. It's so hot. And you go outside and you do work and you come in and take a bottle of water, you drink the whole thing to quench your thirst. Imagine with me this man is in absolute anguish and torment and flame, and he's just wanting one little drop of water to cool his tongue. You imagine that's going to help him at all? Is that going to make a difference? Just one little drop of water? Abraham responds to him in verse 25, how that he had his good things in life. He had the pleasure, the comfort, the ease of life, and Lazarus had evil things. Yet now Lazarus is the one comforted. Lazarus is the one who no longer has aches and pains. Those sores, they're they're far off memory. No longer there. He's in comfort and peace. Look in verse 26. Very intriguing verse to me when, when I began studying this out. And I, I read through it. It says, And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Now that's going from Abraham's bosom, which was later uh, taken to heaven after Christ's uh, crucifixion on the cruci- sorry crucifixion on the cross. That's the comfort and the peace, going from comfort and ease and, and peace over to the torment, and or sorry, from going from the torment and anguish over to the the comfort and peace. Those which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. You see, going from the torment 
and anguish over to the peace. Anyone would want that. Anyone would say, absolutely, let me do it right now. I want to get out of this torment. He's begging for just that drop of water to cool his tongue. And Abraham's saying, those, those which would pass cannot. There's a great gulf fixed. But what intrigued me about this was, they which would pass from hence to you cannot. From hence, right here, the peace, the comfort, those right here, like Lazarus, cannot go to the torment and anguish. And, and I thought to myself, why is that significant? Why is that important? Wouldn't it have been enough for Abraham just said, there's this great gulf fixed between the torment and the anguish and the peace and comfort. There's a great gulf fixed. Now, that's where you are. You cannot pass out of that torment and anguish to the comfort and peace. Wouldn't that have been enough? But Abraham says, those which would pass from hence to you cannot. And I got to thinking to myself, this rich man recognized Lazarus. Did Lazarus recognize him? And one day, will we be able to see into the torment and anguish of hell and recognize people that we knew in this life? Will we be able to see faces of our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, and maybe even family, and recognize them? And the question is, at that point, if we could, would we endure the torment and anguish long enough to pull them out? But see, there's a great gulf fixed. At this point, here in verse 26, it's too late. At this point in verse 26, there is no longer the ability to pass over, to pull anyone out of the fire and the torment and anguish of hell. Look in verse 27. Once this rich man has realized that his fate is sealed, once he realizes that there is no escape from the torment and anguish, his attention turns away from himself. You say, well, how do we know that his attention was on himself? Look what he's asking for. A drop of water from Lazarus, the one who laid outside his gate full of sores. He's begging for Lazarus to bring him a drop of water to cool his tongue. Not focused on, oh, now Lazarus is, is there in peace and comfort. He's focused on himself. But now that he realizes his fate is sealed, for eternity he will be there in the torment and anguish. Verse 27, his attention turns away to someone else. It says, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. What's there in his father's house? His possessions? His things? No. Verse 28, for I have five brethren. It's his brethren. It's his own family, brothers. And his desire is that someone would testify unto them, lest they also come into this place 
of torment. He doesn't want his own family to have to go to the torment and anguish and endure for all of eternity the flames of hell. He realizes, I didn't make the right choice in life. He realizes, I'm here forever, but my brethren still have a chance. Go testify unto them. Go warn them. Go tell them. They need to make the choice. They need to make the decision for Christ so that they don't come into this place of torment and anguish. The question that I have for you this morning is who are those five people that we know that need the truth? Who are those five people that we know that need the testimony and the warning of the place of torment and anguish? Who are those five people that it's our responsibility to go and warn them? You see, I would say that Every one of us at least has five people, whether it's family members like this rich man, co-workers, neighbors, friends, or even just someone that we meet when we're out doing our shopping. I would say that each one of us has at least five people, that the responsibility would fall on us to reach them with the gospel. And the question is, have you done that? Have you fulfilled that responsibility? You see, there's seven and a half, eight billion people in this world. No one of us can reach every person, but we can reach the person that's closest to us, that's near us, that we see every day. We can reach that person, and that's our responsibility. There's some 220 million people in Brazil by their latest count. There's a million people just in the city that we're trying to reach. Many, if not all, need the gospel. You say, are you going to reach that many? If God wants me to. But you know where it starts? Just that handful. Just those ones that we know. And if we fail to reach those ones we know, how are we going to reach the whole world? How can we expect to reach the whole world if we won't even reach those ones that we know? This man had five brethren. Do we have our own family that needs the gospel? We each have someone that we need to get the gospel to. And our responsibility is to take it to them. Our responsibility is to warn them, to testify unto them, so that they don't have to go to the place of torment and anguish like this rich man. I believe he's there today, still in that torment and anguish. Wouldn't it be a pity if one day we look over and we see someone, we recognize them by name, I say, why didn't I take the gospel to them? We have the chance today. The great gulf is fixed. But while someone is still breathing life, we have the chance to warn them, to give them the testimony 
so they don't have to go in the place of torment and anguish. Are we fulfilling our responsibility? And if we are, we need to keep at it. It doesn't end. Just you say, five people, okay, I've reached five people. Okay, five more, five more, five more. Eventually you hit 50, 500, 5,000, however many you can possibly reach. But we need to start. We need to reach those first five and continue from there. Who are the five that you must reach? Fulfill your responsibility in testifying the place of torment and anguish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the challenge from your word to uh, be fervent in the work of warning those who are on their way to torment and anguish. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, strengthen each one of us and give us the boldness to proclaim your truth everywhere we go. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. Brothers, mothers, thank you so much for that message. What a great challenge. Very appropriate from God's Word this morning. As we think about missions, this morning that message reminds us, what is the mission of missions? Well, it's telling folks about the gospel. It's warning them about this place called hell. And this morning, maybe God's speaking to your heart. This morning, I want to ask you, do you know for sure that heaven is your home? Have you been forgiven of your sins? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? If not, I want to invite you to come down this morning. Let us take a Bible and show you how that you can receive Christ and be saved today. Maybe God's speaking to your heart about someone that you need to tell, someone you need to warn. Maybe right now you can see their face. Maybe you know their name. You ought to come pray for them this morning and ask God to give you an opportunity this week to share Christ with them. Or I wonder, is there one among us and God is speaking to your heart this morning about you becoming a missionary, taking the gospel to others? Maybe He's laying some place on your heart today And this morning you'd come and surrender and say, Lord, I'll go. Send me. Lord, bless this time of invitation. Help us, Lord, to know what you would have us do next. And help us to do it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.